Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 12, 13 through 17. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to trap him in his words. When they came, they said to him, Teacher, we know you are truthful and don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality, but teach the way of God truthfully. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarii to look at. They brought a coin. Whose image and inscription is this, he asked them. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus told them, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good to see y'all. Y'all, I done lost my sermon notes. It's about to be interesting. Y'all better pray for me. Y'all better ask the Holy Ghost. Let me see if I can find it on my phone. If y'all see a black tablet, that would be helpful. But I can put it up on my phone. I, yeah. Don't worry about it, y'all. We just, we're going to make it happen. All right. Don't, don't over, it's fine. I got my phone. Don't overly look. All right, so good to see y'all this morning. Um, I just want to ask, uh, just nothing in particular is making me say it, so I want to remind you uh, that you would be praying for me and the leaders and the elders. We need God's wisdom. It is, it is a, a heavy task. It's a privilege. Um, and there are just sometimes very complex things uh, that we're trying to think through. And so uh, we need your prayers. If you consider this church your home, please pray for us. That nothing encourages me more uh, when somebody from my church lets me know they're praying, because I'm like, I need that. That is super helpful. Uh, so just wanted to give a plug. Just pray for me, because I need the Lord. I need the Lord. All right, so in 2016, it was before we started this church, me and my family moved to this community in 2017. Um, if, if y'all remember 2016, it was a very uh, peaceful election season. Uh, y'all remember that? Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> so the church was not yet planted, and I thought about I was thinking this question, man, if I actually succeed, if the, by the Lord's grace, if I succeed in getting a diverse congregation, 2020 is going to just be horrible, all right? So I was thinking about that, praying about that. Now, you know, in 2020, I learned how hard it was to lead a diverse congregation during election season and national unrest and a global pandemic. It was as awesome as you think it was, okay? <laughs> it was great. Everybody had just helpful opinions. Uh, you know, like it was great. It was great. Um, I'm being sarcastic. Now, we're at a, another election season, and, and listen, we all come from different backgrounds and come to different conclusions on a variety of issues, okay? That this is an opportunity for a lot of disunity. I rhyme, but didn't even mean to. The question is, how do we as a church navigate this? How do we navigate this in a God-honoring way, okay? Because the reality is we live in a complex world in which multiple things, legitimate and illegitimate, call for our attention and allegiance. We're pulled this way and that, sometimes for the right thing, sometimes for the wrong thing. And how is it that we maintain a grace-filled church unity in these complex and difficult times? How can we do that? And I would say to you from the text, 
is that we remember that though we have a lot of different allegiances that are competing for attention, and, and depending on where we are, we have different viewpoints, that we would remember that our ultimate allegiance belongs to God. Our ultimate allegiance belongs to God. So let's, let's ask the Lord for help. Lord Jesus, please help us understand your word, but not only to understand it, but to apply it. Lord, your word is good. And I'm learning the more I study and the more I preach it, how it is uh, always applicable. So, Lord, let us see the application today and give us a heart that wants to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we look at verse 13, and it says, Then they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to trap him in these words. What we learn from this, this verse is this, is that Jesus does not fit into a neat box in any culture. Jesus does not fit into a, into a neat box in any culture. The Pharisees and the Herodians did not usually work together. I know you don't, might not know about this, but, but the Pharisees, they were, they were those who looked to the scriptures and the past for guidance. They were big on Jewish heritage. They were big on wanting to be disciples of Moses. They wanted to, to, to look back to the old days and say, that's what we should be doing. Now, the Herodians were those who assimilated into the newer, progressive Greco-Roman society. Yeah? The, the, the Pharisees were like, let's look to the past. The, the, the Herodians were like, well, let's just look forward. We have this new uh, empire, Rome, and they have all these progressive new policies, and maybe we don't need to be strapped down by the things from the past. Maybe we should just get with the times. It's almost as if modern conservatives and progressives of our time teamed up together to trap Jesus. Can you imagine that? People that don't, like, they ain't talking to each other any kind of friendly. But they are teaming up to trap Jesus in order to accuse him. The reality is that even in our modern time, both sides want to claim him. Both sides be quoting scripture. Both sides want to, and listen, using Jesus to serve your own needs is like trapping him and seeking to make him your slave. But he is the Lord and you must submit to him. Now, now, here's the reality. Let, let's just keep it real. On paper, Jesus would have agreed more with one side than the other. He would have agreed with the Pharisees on many moral and religious I issues. The Pharisees emphasized the Scripture. What's Jesus emphasizing? The Scripture. And then many times, many times Jesus would say, hey, listen, my issue with the Pharisees is not always what they're teaching, but the fact that their lives don't match up to it. And so he would say, do what they say, but don't do what they do. The reality is, even though he would, he would fall in with, with one more than the other on a variety of issues, he would not allow himself to be used by either side. He was not going to be a mascot for their purposes or their agendas. We just need to accept that following Jesus means that me and you will not fit into a neat box. You know, the, the early uh, church was very confusing to the Roman Empire. They didn't know exactly how to peg them. They couldn't figure out, like, like, like what do you believe? You agree with some things that these people do, and you agree with some other things that other people do. In fact, uh, Tim Keller, the, the late pastor, he said, the early church was conservative sexually and progressive economically. Meaning what? That they, they couldn't tell whose who side are you on? Depends on the issue. 
Matter of fact, one of, one of the, uh, the Roman governors who was against Christianity, and he was trying to, to write about why it was so popular, and one of the things he said is, man, they're always helping people. They're helping the poor. They help the poor better than we help the poor. And one of the things that he said is just very interesting. He says, they share everything but their wives. That's one of the things he said. Like, I can't understand, I don't understand you, you being real generous with stingy, you know? <laughs> like, they didn't, they didn't actually know how to peg them. They didn't fit into a neat box. And the reality is now we live in a complex world in which decisions and issues are not always easy to discern. Look at verse 14. It says, when the time came, they came to him, teacher, we know you're truthful and don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality, but teach the way of God truthfully. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we pay them? Now, listen, I don't know if y'all are struggling about whether you're going to pay taxes. You're like, what does this have to do with me? Why is this a hard question? Why was it a hard question that they're like, can we pay taxes or not? The reality is that those against the, the empire of the time, those against Rome, would do anything to sabotage Rome. And they would say that if you pay taxes to Rome, you are complicit in their evils. Why would you do that? See, the, the, the Roman government, they would fund idolatrous temples. They would fund temples that, that made people worship the Roman emperor. Not only that, the Roman empire was a war machine, a constantly expanding imperialistic war machine. They're like, you going to fund that? But those for Rome, they, they would pay taxes because they might have agreed with Roman policy. Listen, I like the progressive culture of Rome. I like, I, like they, I, maybe, maybe I like all of these different nationalities getting together. Maybe I like some of the, the lacks of these moral principles. And then some people are like, well, maybe we might as well listen because we don't want to die. Regardless, is no matter where you stood on the issue. It was complex. And the truth about the Roman Empire is that it was a mixed bag. <clears throat> Rome was a conquering empire that ruthlessly put down rebellions. Matter of fact, if you follow the history, uh, about, about uh, 40 years after Jesus, Rome ruthlessly put down a rebellion in Judea, destroying the temple. And then Roman morality had major conflicts with biblical morality. Matter of fact, if, if, you, if you were in the Roman uh, Empire and you were, this is an empire, empire that had slaves, okay? If you were a free man, there were no rules about your sexuality, whether the other person consented or not. No rules. You could do what you wanted to do and subjugate people. And they thought that was good and dignity and, and honorable because how powerful is that man right there? They didn't have the same concept of, of human dignity as the biblical writers would have. Matter of fact, like if, if you had a baby and you didn't, you didn't want that baby for economic or maybe the, the baby had some special needs that you didn't think was important, it was socially acceptable to leave the baby outside to die. There's some major conflicts. Yet on the other hand, Rome established peace over a large area of land. No matter what you can say about Rome, you could go to your house and go to the store and you could roam around in the streets and people weren't just murdering each other. It was a peaceful and stable society. 
The reason that that matters is that when, when there is peace over a large uh, piece of land, that means commerce, trading, and economics can prosper, right? That means that when you go to the, to, to the store, you don't have to pay extra money because the product is getting from one place to the other. Matter of fact, if you're looking at the, 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 uh, the social issue now, we are like, why, why in the world is there a Western coalition bombing Yemen? That's about money. <laughs> Because the, 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 there are uh, rebels that are bombing ships that are driving up prices. And they're like, well, we can't have that because that's going to mess with the economy. How about travel? Isn't travel a lot easier when there's not massive war going on? So listen, you can look at the Roman Empire, you can go, that stuff is really, really bad. But that other stuff, I like it. What do you, what do, you do with that? Rome was, was generally open and tolerant of other cultures as long as they submitted to Rome. It was one of the most socially and ethnically diverse empires. So here's the deal. There were legitimate reasons to be against Rome. There were legitimate reasons to be okay with Rome. And paying taxes went to some things that the Jews would be okay with and some things that they would not be okay with. And so here's the deal. We have to have room in our mind that sometimes issues are complex. And that, that everything, everything isn't so black and white as you would want it to be. And can you think of some issues in present tense that do not have simplistic answers? Can you think of that? One of the ones that's on, on my mind, and, and I, I look at, at my neighborhood and I'm seeing, I'm seeing people because of the, the property is increasing and I'm like, man, people are being pushed out and, and you're like, what should we do? I, I don't know. I don't have a simplistic answer. I don't, I don't know what, how I should think about that or what I should do. There are situations in this life where we're like, it's messy and it's complex. And sometimes if somebody would come to me and a complex issue and say, well, let me tell you what to do. You just do this. I'd be like, you ain't really thought about it. If it was that easy, we would have just did it. If Jesus answered, you should pay taxes or not, they would have been able to peg him on one side. If he said, pay the tax, they could accuse him of being against the Jewish scriptures and culture. They, would have, they, would, they wanted to take away his religious influence. If he said, we don't pay the tax, they could report him to Rome as a revolutionary. I don't know what you know what happens to revolutionaries. They die. They're executed. They, listen, this might seem like a really simple question. But they wanted to do some major damage to Jesus with this question. We have to have space in our minds for complex issues. There are some things in life that are biblically and morally clear, and we should be honest and true about those things. But there are some things that reasonable people can come to different conclusions on. We agree that Christians should not break God's command. Like, if you say, should I go steal that? I'm like, that's not confusing. No, <laughs> you should not do that. But there's not always one Christian answer to complex things. If you were to come to me and say, what is a Christian foreign policy? I have some ideas. <laughs> you know, like, or, or, uh, what, what kind of tax policy should, should Christians be for? People can have some of the same moral values and come to reasonable disagreements about those things because they're complex. You know, in, in, in verse 15 and 16, 17, we, 
we, we, get, we, we realize that it's, it's just more messy and more complex. And in verse 15, he says, But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius. That's a type of a coin. Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought a coin. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus told them, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. So Jesus teaches them that that they actually have temporal obligations to Caesar because he's in charge. And we know from the the Old Testament that if somebody's in authority, why are they there? Because God put them there. Now listen, that's not not Jesus co-signing everything uh, Caesar did. That's not Jesus co-signing sinful things. We have to lean into that complexity. There was a sense in which Caesar had authority and could expect some level of allegiance from his subjects. That was a messy obligation to have if you were any type of Roman subject, but particularly if you were a Jewish Roman subject, that I have an obligation to this this individual whom I have major disagreements with, but I have some sort of obligation to them. See, see, we, we, we have complex and messy obligations in this life because of our roles and responsibilities. Here's one thing. Would you say that you have obligations with your family? Is it always really easy to figure out how to navigate that? Like, like I, I don't know, maybe your family's perfect. Y'all always agree about everything, and uh, the, the family get-togethers are awesome, and there's, there's just all this peace all the time. But listen, if, you're, if, if you are living in the real world, you have difficult and muddy situations in your family, and you can't just leave. You have obligations. And so how do, how do I figure out how to navigate the situation that's not so clear? Are you have, you, you're part of a community, are you not? Like, think about the, the workplace. I don't, do you think there's difficult and messy situations at your work? And sometimes the answer isn't always really clear? Like, you can, like, want to answer the right way and go, but I still don't, I'm a little confused on how I should progress. And listen, you are part of a nation, do we have difficult and messy situations as a nation? Yes, we do. And it's not always so easy to figure out what to do. But here's the reality. Though our roles may be messy, we are still obligated to be salt and light in them. Navigating these, a lot, these allegiances and these roles that sometimes conflict with each other is not always easy. Nevertheless, we must fight through the complexity and the uncomfortableness and try our best to honor and obey the Lord. And that takes a lot of humility because it's not always abundantly clear. But if we're confused sometimes, maybe we can see can see that maybe our brother or sister is confused sometimes too. And, and if we need some grace as we're trying to figure out how do I navigate this situation and that obligation and that role, well, just, just maybe your brother or your sister is thinking the same thing. And would that inform the tone in which you speak to them? Even if you come to a different conclusion, would that inform the tone? The complexity and the messy situations are a result of the effects of sin on us and everything around us. Have you ever gotten yourself into a messy situation? Oh, y'all just, y'all just live perfect life. Okay, uh, listen, I, I done made some, I look back, I'm like, man, that was, I, I messed that up, man. Like, 
That was a bad call. Now, now, if we can all concede that we didn't got ourselves into some situations that's kind of like, oh, that, that, that wasn't the best idea. Okay, now multiply that by like seven billion. How messy is it? How complex is it? So knowing that we all have complex and messy allegiances and roles and responsibilities in this life should cause us to show each other a lot of grace. Because we all have faced complications and decisions that are not ideal. You ever been in a situation you're like, both of these options are really bad, and I don't know which one to take. If you've been in that, maybe somebody around you has too. So listen, maybe the brother or sister who disagrees with you on a particular issue isn't evil. Maybe they don't hate the things that you love. Perhaps they're trying their best to understand and trying their best to do the right thing with the choices that they have. Can we concede that sometimes that's confusing? Now, verse 17, I love that Jesus acknowledges that there's some complexity, there's some confusion. You got obligations to people you wouldn't want to have obligations to. See, it's not awesome. So whatever conclusion you come to, you understand this. is We have and we must have our ultimate allegiance given to God. In verse 17, Jesus told them, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. <laughs> now, Jesus does a play on words here, right? So when, when you look at a coin, even when you had like a nickel or something, right? There's, there's, a, there's like a, a U.S. presidential leader, right? So a, the coin in their day had, had Caesar on it, and it, it meant that if you had some obligations to Caesar, he was the one in charge, all right? And so he's like, see, who, whose image is on this, right? Who's, whose image and inscription is this? Um, many people and institutions may have a temporal claim of allegiance from you, but here's the deal. You, you, yourself, your soul, your person is made in the image of God. You're, you are made in the image of God, meaning what? That, that, that the one who has the most legitimate claim on you is not anybody in this world but the one who made you. So that as you, as you are, are sifting through, well, they say that, and this says that, and I don't know how to do that. One, one thing you do know is I don't have to be confused about what's supposed to be at the top. I don't have to be confused. Like, like as I struggle and try to, to wade my way through the complexities of life, and, and this person says that thing, and that person says that thing, but the person whose ear, that, that, who, who my ears turn to the most, has to be God because ultimately I belong to him. And me belonging to him, it trumps every other allegiance and every other complication. Here's the deal. When your allegiance to something temporary and of this world clashes with your allegiance to God, then you must choose allegiance to God. My words and actions in my everyday life, they must demonstrate that. And that means that your decisions at times could upset your family. Your decisions at times could upset your community. Your decisions at times could upset your nation because you are trying to think above all else, I respect this obligation and I respect this institution. I respect all that. But as I'm sifting through all the decisions in my life, I have to know that at the top is my allegiance to God. That's why, that's why you know, Jesus can say something like pay taxes 
But then in the book of Acts, Jesus' disciples, the authorities come to them and they say, hey, man, listen, uh, we're in authority. Uh, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. And they didn't say, okay, authority. They said, all right, well, I don't know about you, <laughs> but I got to obey God. There's situations in which that is appropriate and right because your allegiance must be to God. See, Jesus lived in this world and all the messy and complicated situations that we find ourselves in, he, he'd been in. Yet his ultimate allegiance was to the Father. Have you ever, like, like I hope you're feeling some of the confusion and the complexities. And, 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 and we're like, oh, I tried to make this decision. I don't know if it was right. And I had this opinion. But then I thought about it some more. And then I changed my opinion. And oh, what, what in the world? Listen, and not only that, as you live your life, you look back on some of those messy, complex decisions and you regret them. There are times when I look back on my life, whether the mess is what I made or somebody else made, and I look back and I go, I, I didn't do that right. I, I, my thinking was incorrect. My actions were wrong. And sometimes in those moments of quiet, you have scenes from your life play out when you're like, I did it wrong. And we often feel the weight of regret as we look back on past actions as we have gotten wiser and closer to God. Like, oh my goodness, what was I thinking and what was I doing? But here's the craziest thing. Though Jesus can sympathize with the complexities of our life, Jesus can look back on his life and feel zero regret. How is that possible? We can think about in the, in the realm of family. We know that Jesus has some complex family dynamics. Who was his dad? Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's God, but Joseph's my dad. There were some complex family relationships. There are times, there are times when Jesus would be teaching, and the Bible says that his mother and his brothers and his sisters were outside. And that, and listen, it says that his brothers didn't even believe in him. That when he was preaching, his blood brother said, you are crazy. There are times when he felt the tension between obeying God or obeying and getting along with his earthly family. But in those moments where there was a conflict of allegiance, you know who he chose. He chose the father. In those moments where there was allegiance to conflict, he says, mom, I love you. Brother and sister, I like you too. But on this issue, because I know what the Father wants me to do, I have to follow him. And I'm sorry that you don't understand. Or we can think about his nation. Like Jesus, like Jesus was born in, 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 a, in a Jewish state. He had Jewish brothers and sisters. And there's a moment in time when Jesus is preaching. And, and, and the Jews at the time, one of the number one things is we have to get out of Rome. Like, like we have to get out of Rome's uh, grip and thumb. What are we going to do? And so there's a time when Jesus is teaching, and the Bible says that, that, that the people, that they were going to forcibly make him king. What were they doing? They were like, man, Jesus, he's really powerful. You saw him heal somebody? Well, maybe he can defeat Caesar. <laughs> like, so let's, let's get him in a corner. Let's press him in. Like, like, go with all your power that you show, and go to Rome, and jack up Caesar so we can be free. And Jesus says, though I love you, Though I agree that there is a sense of oppression in this moment, that's not what my father wants me to do. My father does not want me to come and conquer physically, but spiritually. And there are, I imagine that there are moments when his Jewish brothers and sisters are going, you traitor, 
how can you not be on our side? Don't you know about the oppression? You can say yes. But in this moment, because I'm clear on what the scriptures and what my father have called me to do, I cannot be in allegiance to you. Because my allegiance to the father, it trumps you. That doesn't mean I don't love you. That I don't care for you. But guess what? There are some people who didn't care. <laughs> yeah? Didn't care about those complexities. So, the collective sin that we commit and the messes that we have made, they put, they've been put on Christ at the cross. Jesus didn't die on the cross because he had these messy situations and he fumbled the ball. He was without sin and had supreme wisdom in every single situation. He is on the cross because when we've been in these complex situations and we've sinned, we dropped the ball. We let this, my allegiance to that person or that group over, over, override my allegiance to God. Beloved, all that put on Christ at the cross. Here's something I want you to think about. And I, I really want to slow down to make sure you understand this. When Jesus rose from the dead, one of the things that's happening is that God the Father is vindicating Jesus Christ. And in other words, he's saying, listen, in case you got it twisted, Jesus did not die on a cross because he did something wrong. And this so is clear one of the things I'm going to do is raise him from the dead. That you know that he has the affirmation of heaven. See, Jesus is risen from the dead and has this full vindication of innocence. Now, here's the reality. We don't have that vindication. Yet, by faith, we do. If I believe in Christ, the vindication that he feels, I can feel, not because I did it right, but because he did it right. On my place of listen, when I look back on my past and I think about all those messes that I have made in the complex situations in which I did not respond appropriately, but when I look up to God, I can go, I might feel that I'm not vindicated because I've messed up. But because I am in Christ, when you look at me, you see innocent, vindicated. That, that's the hope that we have. So here's the if, you, if, you're under, if you're hearing me and you're like, I don't really rock, rock with Jesus like that, here's the one thing I just want to make an appeal to you for just a second. We live in a world in which people will hold your bad decisions over your head for the rest of your life, just waving it in front of you. And our culture has amplified that. You're you going to get canceled. Ain't no redemption from cancellation. Ain't no redemption. You die, and then you're still canceled. When they look back at you, like, do you know how much that dude sucked? He was horrible. There's no redemption. No, no forgiveness. And your sins, they're like a memorial stone that's hung on your neck. But listen, there's one that if you come to, he does not hold your sin against you. He, he only shows forgiveness and grace. So you have an option. 
You can live in this world and its complexities and know that you're going to make mistakes and know that you're going to feel this guilt and know that they're going to just press it down in your face. Or you can come to the Lord Jesus and say, I, I've messed up and I probably will mess up again because this is confusing. But you say that you will forgive me, that you will lead me, and that you will guide me. That is far better than can- cancellation. That is eternal vindication. And that is yours if you come to him. So Christians, we must acknowledge the complexity of the decisions in this life and show people a lot of grace. Yeah? We need to acknowledge that this this category is super helpful um, for me. Me and my wife learned this in a class in international missions. We acknowledge that some things are right, some things are wrong, and some things are different. See, that third category is very important. <laughs> if you don't understand that category, you're going to be angry a lot. <laughs> and I, I'll give you a really silly illustration to, 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 to tell the point. Now listen, if I came in your house and I didn't take off my shoes, it'll be all right, I guess, depending on who you, who you are. But when I was living in, in Asia... And if I were to roll up into somebody's house with my shoes on, I have committed a great offense. And I could go, well, is that right? Is it wrong? Or maybe it's just different. And maybe I need to acknowledge that there are some cultural and familial and, 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 and things that I don't quite understand. And maybe this particular issue is not one of right or wrong. Maybe it's just one of preference. And, and maybe in order to show love, maybe I could even defer to my brother and my sister. There are issues in which it's just not. So, so if, if you live in a, in a black, white, everything is binary, binary uh, life, you're going to be angry and mad at everybody. But we need to acknowledge that some things are just, some things are biblically clear. All right. So if homeboy comes to me and says, uh, I don't like my wife. Uh, uh, she's not pretty. I, I want to leave her. I'm like, nope. That ain't, that ain't the one. <laughs> that ain't the one, homie. I, that's, that's not one of the different ones. That's not in that category. Okay? <laughs> but other things require prudence. And they require us to apply biblical principles. And here's the deal. We're not always going to come to the same conclusion. Even if we're both seeking, we can be seeking to apply the same principle. But the situation is so complex that we could come to a different solution. And so if somebody does come to a different solution, it doesn't mean you are evil. It could mean maybe we're just different. And maybe I can bear with them a little bit. Like one of the issues I think about a lot is, man, how do, how do, how do we help people who are, who are in poverty, who are infected, affected with, with poverty? I see some of the damages of that. And listen, there are a lot of answers to that question both individually and socially and politically. And guess what? I got some opinions, and you have some opinions, and they might not line up. But I don't then need to assume that you don't care about people who are struggling. Maybe we can come to good faith uh, decisions that are different, that are motivated by the same reason. But because the issue is so complex... Maybe we can come to a different conclusion, and then my assumption isn't, you are evil. Now listen, let me tell you what I'm not saying. 
I'm not saying that you cannot have uh, positions on complex issues. I, I encourage you to think and wrestle and read, do all that stuff. But you must hold your positions firmly, yet communicate them gracefully. Can you do that? Hold your positions firmly, but you communicate them gracefully. And when you are pressed between choosing an allegiance with something in this life versus allegiance to God, beloved, we must choose God. And that presupposes a familiarity with Scripture and a deep dependence on God in prayer. That's the reason why my hope and prayer for our church is that, that we live in the Scriptures, that we are bathed in prayer. And here's, here's the one thing I, 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 can, I can know. If, if my thinking and praying sounds like this, thank you, Lord, I ain't like that stupid person over there who came to the wrong conclusion. If, if my prayer is like that, I have not humbled myself to the Scriptures and the sensitivity of the Spirit. But if I say, Lord... I don't know what to do. This is complex. Search me. Know me. What is going If there's something in my heart that is negatively impacting my thinking, help me. Beloved, that is the type of humility in which God draws near to and which also allows you to, to interact gracefully with those who might disagree with you. So, beloved, we have to remember that in the complex times that we live in, our ultimate allegiance must belong to God. And that, that can unify us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word and how it is, it is uh, relevant. It, it helps us navigate this life. And I thank you for the hope of the cross that, that, that in our past and even in the future, we're going to make these decisions that, gosh, they're, they're wrong. And there are going to be times when, when out of selfishness we choose allegiance with other things. But Lord, you offer us forgiveness. You offer us grace. And you give us wisdom by your holy scriptures and your holy word. So Lord, let us be a humble people. A people whose allegiance is to God first and foremost. Let us love our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, as, as the issues and our community, our nation, and our world are complex, let us not just shrug our shoulders. Let's do the research that we can. Let's try to figure out the best way that we can live that would honor you and be very gracious with others if they come to a different conclusion. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.